Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Trundlebed Tales Podcast. Today we are doing episode 31, and we're going to be talking about Laura Ingalls Wilder Girl Scout Patch. But before we get into that, let's just do a little housekeeping. Uh, what we've got coming up this month is in, on May 6th. We are going to be doing a special episode with Trini Winninger, who is the person who wrote Rose Wilder Lane, San Francisco, and we're going to be talking about Laura Ingalls Wilder, Rose Wilder Lane, their time in San Francisco, and what you can still see there that they saw. That is going to be May 6th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central Time, 1 p.m. Mountain Time, and 12 p.m. Uh, on Pacific Time. Uh, we'll have a couple other episodes going on in May, but that is the one that we're going to be looking forward to first. We're also back on the schedule of doing an update episode, so look for the May update to come near the beginning of the month, with any luck at all, with the rest of all episodes ready to go. And also I want to tell everybody that I checked right before we went on the air and we were up to 10,014 listens. So thank you everybody who've been tuning in, who've been downloading, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. Now if you would like to take part in the program, you can, the chat room is open and you can come in there if you're listening live. Otherwise, you can call in. Our number is 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll-free, 1-877-633-9389. That's 1-877-633-9389. And you don't have to talk if you call in. If you just want to listen, so if you're out and about or if you just want to move around your house instead of sitting by the computer, you be sure to call in and listen that way. And I think for the moment that takes care of our housekeeping. So what we're going to be talking about today, as I mentioned before, is the Laura Ingalls Wilder patch. Now, I like this because it's another connection between two people that I just adore, Laura Ingalls Wilder and Herbert Hoover, or more specifically, Herbert Hoover's wife, Lou Henry Hoover, who was very active in the Girl Scout movement. In fact, she helped create a lot of the things that we think of as being part of Girl Scouts today, including the Girl Scout cookie drive. They just finished having a display on her about her work in Girl Scouts in honor of the big anniversary 
uh, of Girl Scouts this past year at the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library. But anytime you go, there's a small display talking about Lou Henry and her work with the Girl Scouts. So it's it's nice to have another little connection there. Now, myself, I was never a scout. Uh, my father was a Boy Scout. My brother was a Cub Scout. My grandmother, Utah, was a scout leader. And in fact, if you've heard me do my storytelling program, the version of Johnny's Goose I do isn't the one from On the Banks of Plum Creek, which is kind of lame, but the one that my grandma Utah used to do, and she taught it to me, and I've modified it a little bit, and that's the version I use. So I was in 4-H, I was in Campfire, didn't have a lot of personal hands-on experience with the, the the Girl Scouts, but the reason that I got involved in this in the first place was uh, because they have a Laura Ingalls Wilder patch. Now, as I understand this, again, please be kind if I get this wrong because it was not the program I was in, but as I understand it, when you go through and earn your way through the books following the prescribed schedule, those things are badges. However, there are some things that you can do as an optional thing, and uh, if you complete those, you get a patch. And this is Laura Ingalls Wilder patch. It was created by Debbie White and Joyce Skibb, and I'm not sure if I said that right. It's S-K-I-B-B-E. They're part of the Mississippi Valley Girl Scout Council Incorporated, and they have been doing uh, this program for, well, quite a while before I got involved in it. I was involved in running a workshop to help girls earn the patch uh, for about 10 years, and I've been out of it for about 10 years now. So what I'm going to be talking about today isn't anything that I'm doing currently, although the Usher's Ferry Historic Village still has uh, the program going on. Uh, and Linda Starbuck, who some of you might know from Laura Palooza, has been heading it up. And so if you want to know what they're doing currently, or if you think going to a workshop uh, for that would be a really nifty thing to do and you'd like more information, you can sure get in touch with Linda through Usher's Ferry, and I'm sure they'll be able to, to help you find out about exactly what's going on today. But the three groups of people that I really wanted to talk to uh, are Laura fans who just kind of want to know what the patch is, the people who are in the scouting program and are looking to earn it and you want to know just a little bit more about what is required, and I also want to talk to people who might be interested in setting up their own a workshop because it isn't like there's any special requirements to sending this up and some of our friends out there if you're living in an area of the country where you really can't readily get to one of the Laura sites or to Usher's Ferry you may want to consider trying to get one of these patchworks uh, shops set up in your own site or in your own area so I'm going to be giving a few hints to people who are doing that as well well first off where I got the idea of doing this as a workshop was from an article in the newspaper. They had a picture that the Johnson County Historical Society was doing a Laura Ingalls Wilder Girl Scout patch workshop, and I thought that sounded like a great idea and something that Usher's Ferry could totally get behind. 
So I went to my boss about it at the time. This is when I worked at Escher's Ferry. Her name was Vicki Hughes. And she thought it sounded like a great idea. And so she got in touch with the Girl Scouts and we got some more information. And then I basically kind of put together the outline of the program. She helped me with some of it. And uh, we eventually just sort of put this all-day event together. And it was really a lot of fun. People really liked it. And um, I think that it's something that I still get a lot of questions about. So I I hope that people enjoy learning about it. First off, there are four levels for uh, Girl Scouts. Brownies, which is age 6 to 8. Juniors, which is age 9 to 11. Cadets, which is age 12 to 14. And seniors, which are 15 years old and older. This particular patch is set up so that people at any one of these four levels can participate and earn the patch. But the older you are, the more you're supposed to do. There are nine activities listed out. And there are four of them that are required and for anybody. And then, depending on how old you are, you have to do the four plus so many activities. Now, what we really strove to do was to make sure that at the end of the day, the girls had done everything that they needed to to earn their patch except read the little house books themselves because they have to do that on their own time. We were very uh, careful to try and tie each and every activity to something in the books and to point that out to the girls so the girls knew exactly when this happened in the books and why they were doing it. And we also kind of tried to fit it to our site and what we had available. Uh, So first off, if you're wondering about the patch itself, it is a round patch. It says Laura Ingalls Wilder. There's a little log cabin. And pretty much anybody can get one of these. I thought there would be some kind of checking process or you'd have to sign off that somebody had actually done the activities. Turns out there's not. At least there wasn't 10 years ago. I walked in the door and asked if they would sell me one, and they did. So if you're a Laura collector, get a hold of the Mississippi Valley Girl Scout Council. They will probably go ahead and sell you a a patch. But we, uh, when we were doing the workshop, didn't want girls at the end of the day because we couldn't actually buy the patches and hand them out without passing the the cost on. And besides, they were supposed to actually read the books on their own first before they got the patch. So we came up with a certificate of completion. And we went through and filled those out by hand because we wanted people to think that is special. And having printed stuff anymore really isn't special. But we had the pre-printed certificate. We hand wrote in each girl's name and signed it with a real uh, ink pen. And the girls really seemed to like to get those. So uh, that was just sort of our little addition for that. If you were going to set up one of these activities to yourself, or if you want to attend one, uh, make sure that if you talk to the people who are doing a workshop, ask the age it's for. That's one problem we, we really did have because we really set this up with juniors in mind. Juniors would be completely done uh, with the day, and the activities we had planned were from that age level. Uh, my boss 
kept letting the younger girls in, which was a problem because they weren't, most of them really weren't up to doing all the activities. And then by the time they were old enough, they'd already come. So a lot of times they didn't want to come back. Of course, we did have some repeat groups. There were some troops who came back every year just because they enjoyed doing it. Uh, but it's something to ask for. And if a, a workshop like this does have a, an age range, respect it. It really is going to work out better for everybody. Uh, if you're going to attend one, ask what the adult-to-kid ratio was. One thing why this worked really well for us was that we required the leaders to be there with the group. So there was uh, plenty of adult supervision, plenty of adults to help. It worked out really well. And also what I found from talking to the parents uh, who came and the, the leaders, ask if you're going to attend one of these workshops if they're actually going to earn the patch because apparently sometimes people have workshops for these patches or for other patches and the things you do don't actually line up with what the requirements are. So uh, may, those are things to think about if you're either setting up or planning on attending. Now the requirements, the first four required things were that you had to read at least four of the books in the Little House series, reporting which four were read, and writing one paragraph describing the story, and that the girls had to do on their own. The second one was cook a prairie meal or baked bread from an old recipe that Laura's family may have used. Now, what we did for that, I described in a separate episode when I talked about historic food ways, baking biscuits, and I really broke that down. The reason that we chose making biscuits is because when we went to the books, one of the things that we um, found when they were traveling on the prairie, what they basically got was a biscuit with something on it. We also were trying to do something simple and something they could actually bake within 45 minutes to an hour starting with absolutely nothing from scratch and going through it. So the biscuits worked well. The actual example in the book, they were talking about corn biscuits. We did wheat biscuits just because it was a little easier. We, uh, and we also added sorghum because they had molasses, and sorghum gave us an opportunity to tell people what it was. Now, sorghum is very sweet, and I thought the girls would prefer that with the bare biscuits, but actually a lot of times they seem scared to eat try the sorghum, which is just basically, um, well, it's related to molasses. Think of it that way. So it was kind of surprised about that, but people really liked it. And what I'd actually end up having to do would be to have the following group eat the batch of biscuits that the previous group did. So I always had to be one batch ahead in my baking so there would be enough time. We also worked really hard on hand washing and uh, several other things like that. And we tried to get in then at the end of our time a game because one of the requirements we're going to be coming to later is a game. The number three on the list was hand sew a simple sunbonnet, a patchwork square, or an apron for yourself. Now, we had previously done a history day camp where over the course of the week, we had the kids sew a simple apron. And we had expected it to take two days, and it basically ended up taking four so have with that experience behind us, even though we'd really used a simplified pattern, uh, we used ribbon for ties, they didn't have to do any edging. It, it just it was too much for the time frame. 
So we decided to go with the patchwork square. Now, we talked about the nine patch uh, square that Laura talks about in the books. We spent quite a bit of time talking about the design of the square, the history of the patterns, let the girls practice laying out nine squares different ways, and then after they actually finished sewing, we had them do four squares, again from the time allowance, and how they could rearrange them to create a pattern within the quilt. And a lot of girls really hadn't been exposed to anything like that and really seemed to enjoy that and get a lot out of it. We also used a sad iron and had the stove going in the parsonage, which is where we held that, that event, so that the girls could iron using an old-fashioned iron warmed on the stove, which was uh, another thing that Laura did. Uh, we eventually ended up having to simplify it, though, because so many of the younger girls just couldn't do the four patch in, in the required amount of time. So we ended up uh, simplifying it further and doing a one square that we cut into two triangles, so they just had to sew one seam. We also made it so that one sheet or one piece of material didn't have a right and a wrong side. You could do it either way. It was exactly the same on it. And then the other side, uh, the other piece of material had a very definitive right and wrong side, so it was easy to tell. Because the ideas like the right and wrong side of the fabric were not clear at all to the girls, and we had to explain all of that, plus the basic sewing. Some of the girls had done embroidery and uh, fine hand work before, but most of them hadn't sewn a seam. Most of them hadn't sewn a button, though they didn't use a button on this, but it was just sort of a new concept for them. The next thing that was required was to visit a Laura Ingalls Wilder historic site or a Laura Ingalls Wilder exhibit or visit another troupe to encourage the girls to read from the Laura Ingalls Wilder series. And so what we did was have provided a Laura Ingalls Wilder exhibit for the girls to visit. I presented my program, my standard program that I did at the time, with pictures from all the sites. I also set up a display of, of my replica items and talked to the girls about what they were, and then the display was up both before and after that. Now... Uh, that was our first thing of the day. We kind of brought people in. We oriented them to the site. We told them about what the schedule was going to be. We handed out the patch instructions to all the mothers. All every, Each and every girl got a, a plastic bag that she then was supposed to write her name on. And we also had the girls at that time sign a thank you card to the business that had donated the, the bags which is not only good politics, it's also another good thing to model and encourage the kids and something Laura would have done. And then everything that they got at each session as they went through the day went in their bag and they had their name on it. So there weren't so many things left sitting around that they uh, weren't able to tell whose was whose. And after we did all that, it was still fairly early. We would usually uh, end up being sort of somewhere around 11 o'clock, and we would have a early lunch. And the reason we ended up doing that was because uh, we didn't want to have to bring them to, to break them up, bring them back together again, and break them up again. And this way, they had lunch early, and then after lunch, 
they had a rotating set of sessions. Boom, 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 boom. And that, um, and then at the very end, we did gather them back up together. They got their certificates, and um, we talked about Laura's collection, connection to Baroque and uh, Iowa, and then kind of just dealt with any last-minute questions and things like that. The fifth optional, the fifth thing on the list, which was optional, was view an authentic covered wagon or find pictures of a covered wagon and create a model from wood, paper, or other materials. There is actually a fairly easy pattern out there to make a model covered wagon from paper, uh, but that wasn't one that, that we did. That was one we left that if they were an older girl, they could do it on their own. Six, what is a velocipede? Anybody? That's all right. I had to look it up, too. And a velocipede is basically a triangle. And Willie Olson has one in the books on the banks of Plum Creek. Uh, so the number six goes on. What is a velocipede? What other toys did children of Laura's time have in play? Find modern-day examples of these and make a list of them. Now, that ended up being a lot harder challenge than we thought it would be. Uh, what we finally came up with was we had uh, gathered up a collection of toys and spread them out on the table in the school and had the, the, them match modern toys to historic toys. For example, uh, we had a toy, it's a helicopter, it's a stick of wood with a blade on top that bends one way or the other and if you spin it the right way it gets up enough speed that it goes up in the air and it comes down that uh, was the historic toy the new version of that they had just at that time come out with the sky dancers which were little dolls that basically did the exact same thing so that was a match we did a stereo optigan uh, with the having the viewfinder and going back and forth, and a plastic modern viewmaster. We had a Noah's Ark and an action figure, which were both characters from stories to help reinforce the story. And more and more and more. So we had a whole table of these, and that was the best we could come up with. We had tried various other things. We tried having... Uh, Sears catalog and pictures. We'd tried uh, talking to them, but we we really it, it was it's a fairly hard thing to try and compare toys from the past and today, other than having the toys actually there. Actually, when we first started doing this, the uh, one, curator at the site, Pat Crawford, had a uh, antique toy horse. Uh, that was, you know, full size that you could ride. And she'd bring that in, and I brought in my Blaze the Wonder Horse, so we even had that as a comparison. That really seemed to work well. Where we ran into a little bit of an issue was that we had put it in the schoolhouse thinking that there would be a little bit at the time and they could talk about the school. And even though this was a required thing that they had to talk about the toys, and we kept telling them this is the required thing that we had to talk about the toys, uh, every volunteer about we got insisted on talking about the school the whole time and then not really talking about the toys very long. So that 
that was an issue. The first couple of people we had were really good about understanding what we were trying to do was help the kids earn the patch. Um, as time went on, that, that got to be less so, and I was always having to remind them that's what we were we were doing. Item seven. Play two games that Laura played at school. Examples include Uncle John, Ring Around the Rosie, and Pea Porridge Hot. So we ended up kind of fitting those in whenever we could. And um, we tried to get one in the school if they had time. I did one after the biscuits. And uh, we also tried to get one at the dolls. So that was sort of a, a... one we kind of just squeezed in. We also did a Minister's Cat, which I personally liked, but uh, was kind of hard for some of the girls. And uh, then eight was write a one-page report on the life of Laura Ingalls Wilder. How Laura's life? Well, how does Laura's life compare to yours? How does life differ? That was one, again, we left if one of the older girls wanted to do on their own, there could. And using only natural items make a craft that the Wilders may have made. So we looked around um, and tried out various crafts. What we ended up doing was we found a simple knotted rag doll. And that's what the girls had then. So that was their craft. It was out of cotton. So it was fairly natural materials. And it was... uh, very popular. The girls like to do those. Uh, the other session that we had wasn't involved in making the patch, but was uh, sort of invested in, in getting girls interested in the site. And what we did for that was they kind of took a tour of the village, the parts of it that they hadn't seen on the actual tour, they got to go to the general store, and we actually had a replica hotel that was uh, a stagecoach hotel. And at that point in the rotation, they would uh, talk about Laura's Baroque time again. They girls would get to try and do some of the things that Laura had said she did at the Masters Hotel, and we really kind of strengthened the Iowa connection and uh, sort of generally life in a small town in that session. Uh, The girls would come back together, and uh, we'd answer any questions they had about Laura or anything they'd seen about the village. We'd do final things. They would get their uh, certificate. We had a evaluation sheet that the girls and their leaders had to fill out right then. Oh, and we also, I after the about the first time, I went out and bought a bunch of clipboards. So every leader, when uh, they came, had the on the, the clipboard the patch and what the requirements were. They had the schedule for the day and uh, several other informative things and a pen, and they had those to carry around all day too. It ended up being a really well-run program. We made a lot of money for Usher's Ferry. We made a lot of fun days and fun memories for kids about Laura. It was a very, very successful program. And um, I think that uh, if you are really interested in Laura, it is certainly one that you could get going uh, at your own historic site or in the own area. One thing about uh, the scout mentality, though, 
we had thought that they would be coming because they were interested in Laura and we could maybe gather up a mailing list and do other Laura related activities and, you know, pitch it to them as um, we did actually do an adult Laura Day conference uh, in, in, in comparison to the kid Laura Day that we were doing with the patch. Um, but there really wasn't a lot of interest from the girls or the leaders in non-patch activities, and they inevitably ended up writing in, you can get a, a, an activity approved for a patch. And Usher's Ferry eventually did then put together its own patch for the Usher's Ferry Historic Village patch, and people who were out there for the Girl Scouts would come back for that. So. Uh, the patch earning seems to be really important uh, to the scouts. So if you're planning on doing an event for scouts, bear that in mind. But it was just a, a very pleasant day. I think all the girls liked it. We did have quite a few who would come back uh, time after time. And it really just was a nice event and I hope that you'll all get a chance to participate in something like that or that you'll get a chance uh, to at least get your own patch and again the people who have it are the Mississippi Valley Girl Scout Council you can find on air that they have a or you can find online that they have the list of required duties and they also have the patch available. If you want one and you're not a Girl Scout, I would give them a call. Thank you for tuning in today. And I hope I will see you all again May 6th when we're going to talk about Rosewater Lane, San Francisco. I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope you are too. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.